Jared of the GM live from Bridgestone Arena's Pete and Terry's Tavern, where the Predators take on the Ducks pregame in one hour. Hal Gill in 30 minutes, Predators game day. And, of course, puck drop is at 7 o'clock. So, Floyd, I love people who believe in their employees, right? Okay. Like you hire somebody to do a job, and you got to believe that they're going to be the one to do it. But there always comes when you're a manager – Kind of this sense of, hey, you got to know, as Kenny Rogers would say, when to hold them, got to know when to fold them. And I wonder if Mike Vrabel struggles with knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. And he was talking about the decision to go for it on fourth and inches against the Chargers yesterday. And Vrabel's response to why he didn't punt. Now, I would have punted, and I bet if they were up four instead of three, he would have punted. But Vrabel's reason for not punting, I listened to it today, and it bothered me for one specific reason. This is what Vrabel said yesterday. Even if Kern punts him down inside the 10 there, though, you still think that... I, I just think that the guy across the field, right, if you look back at really that drive, four plays, what I felt like was our worst defensive series of the year, we're going to pick up that first down. We, we are. We're, we're going to execute it better. We're going to coach it better. And, and that's that's just really what we're going to do. And that was the decision. It was Philip Rivers, with a lot of time, to come down there and and, and tie the game or, or score a touchdown. And that's why I made the decision. The idea of hey, we're going to get it. We're going to pick it up. We're going to coach it better. We're going to execute it better. We're going to pick it up. We're going to get it next time. That bothers me. And it bothers me because I feel like Vrabel is stubborn about two things. One. Vrabel is stubborn about going for it, and he is stubborn about throwing the challenge flag. And I believe it is because in his mind, he doesn't, it's like he always thinks they're going to get it. Like Miami, we're going for it. Why? Because we're going to get it. I believe in my guys. Go for it. Chargers, last year in London, go for it. Eagles, last year. Now it ended up working out, but go for it. He is Texans last year, go for it. He is always into going for it he's always we're gonna get it i promise you we're gonna get it and i'm sitting here saying mike that's great that you believe in your guys but you don't ever get it so why do you keep going for it all the time when you don't always get it and then your response is we're gonna get it and it's like his decision to not throw the challenge flag and he's saying look they don't pick up the flags they're not gonna pick up the flags they're not gonna change the call so why would I throw the flag when they're not gonna pick when they're not gonna change the call I'm like Mike they might change the call but he is of the belief that his guys will always get it on fourth down and he is of the belief that they will never overturn a challenge call and because of that I think it clouds his judgment and not to say that it's a bad decision or good decision it's just the process of making the decision I worry about right now. I again I have no problem with it. You know. I mean I don't I think I think the vast majority of guys I've ever coached with when it's fourth and an inch to win a game will go for it. Vast, vast majority. Which Frank Reich did here about a month ago. Happens all the time. And so uh, I don't. I I had absolutely no problem with that call. The when it comes to the challenge, once again, I, I'm going. I, mean, I want to stay on the fourth down. A, I want to stay on the fourth down for a second. Made, this was fourth. Down. I'm not talking about this fourth down. <laughs> I'm talking about every fourth down. 
that it's one yard or two yards, he always thinks they're going to get it. Every time. Texans last year, the handoff to Luke Stocker, the play that made no sense, that changed the entire momentum of that entire Texan game, probably cost you that game. He always thinks they're going to get it. And I feel like when you're head coach and all the players are saying, because you can always ask the players, and the players will always tell you, Coach, let's go for it. We're going to get it. you got to be the one to say, no, we got to send a punter out. You know what? I know you think you're going to get it, but we can't take that risk at this point. We can't. No, kick the field goal, take the three points. But he always thinks they're going to get it, just like Atlanta. He, I, I know exactly what he was thinking in Atlanta. He thought, if I kick a field goal, the game's probably over. If I score a touchdown, the game is over. So I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to get it. Well, that was a bad decision. I mean, I agree with that. That's that's the only that's the only fourth down decision he's made that I don't I don't you I agreed don't, with it the day after he did it I don't agree with it I don't disagree with it you know I can understand why you would make the call the fourth down when you you pass up the field goal I don't understand why you make that call because that puts you up three scores if you're up three scores then you know the game is is over. Um, and so that, to me, that was that was one I questioned, and he questioned. After he thought about it, he he admitted it was a bad call. So I mean, I don't think I don't think, but all the others, there it's like this: fourth and an inch. I mean, to win the game, you're going for it. I don't. I don't. Not with. If you were up four, I think you would have punted. You're going for it. If you're up twenty four twenty, I think you punt only because. To think, I mean, and I know Vrabel thinks Phillip Rivers is the best quarterback who ever lives because the way that he changes his entire life around for Phillip Rivers, I mean, it's not like the Titans haven't played other good quarterbacks. The series before you're talking about was four plays to a touchdown. Do you assume the defense is going to be just as bad the next four series? Four plays with uh, 30 seconds in between? I mean, you're certainly very, very concerned. And your your defensive coordinator is not in the bed. Here's the defensive coordinator's dilemma: Do we play zone, back these guys off, and let that tight end and running back crease us some more? Yes. Or do we try to play man for man to slow them down no. and get beat one on one? You play zone because Chargers. You don't mind if I don't listen to anything you say. Chargers had no timeouts. So what if Eckler picks up thirteen? And all of a sudden, clock runs, and they got to get up, and they got to okay. So now Williams picks up eleven. So they're still they still got seventy yards to go, and fifty seconds of two minutes and thirty seconds is off the clock, and they have to have a touchdown. That is why, if you're up four, you for sure punt. Oh, I mean, you maybe you do, sure. But I mean, again, if I'm if most coaches I've coached with now, if you're not Jeff, Fisher, if it's if it's Fourth and I mean, if you're up by ten, or if it's you know fourth and and one or one and a half, I don't think that. But the vast majority of guys I've coached with, if it's fourth and an inch, to win the game, to win the game, they're going to go for it. I'm just, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't have gone for it there. I'm just saying he always goes for it, and I just wish that he didn't just have the mindset of, we're going to get it every time, go for it. It drives me nuts. Like, sometimes field goals aren't bad. Sometimes punting is not bad. Not, now, this case, I'm fine with it. Uh, but the idea of 
just looking at the press and saying, look, we're going to get it next time. We're going to coach it better. We're going to get it. Well, you didn't get it at Miami. You didn't get it against the Texans. You didn't get it against Atlanta. You didn't get it against the Chargers on the two-pointer. You didn't get it this time. We can't just always have the players on the sidelines say, we can get it, coach. Okay. At some point, the coach has to say, nah, you know, we're not good at getting it right now. Maybe we need to take the three points early in the game. Think Anthony Lynn wishes he had taken the three points early in the game? Instead of going for it? Yes. (laughs) Probably. Okay. (laughs) The other thing that drives me nuts about about Vrabel, Vrabel's got to stop reading the newspaper. He's got to stop reading what people write about him. He's got to stop listening to radio. He's got to stop. Vrabel made it abundantly clear yesterday that he didn't, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't happy, but Eric Bacharach wrote his five observations from the game, and one of his observations in the Tennessean was Vrabel botches another big decision. Vrabel was asked a question about making decisions and listened to Vrabel. They would not have had a definitive angle. What would have happened? I mean, why, why did the clock stop? And would they potentially have a chance? There's a lot, a lot of questions, you know, a lot of questions coming down a stretch there. And again, the, going back to the decision, and I know you guys are all big on decisions, right, Eric? I mean, Vrabel really had to do that. Vrabel, put the newspaper down. Put the Tennessean down. Put the computer down. Put the phone is down. This, put the radio this is down. All, all of this is off of that. Isn't that right, Eric? Yeah, he's like, you guys all want to talk about decisions. Isn't that right, Eric? Because Bacharach wrote, the co- wrote in his column that Vrabel makes bad decisions. I would prefer the coach not read the paper. The, I mean, you got a coach and a team where they sit there and they preach, don't d- block out the outside noise, don't let the outside noise in. And here's Vrabel talking, clearly referencing something that he, I don't want to say took issue with, because I've seen a lot of coaches, you know, take a lot, you know, get a lot more mad about things they read. But, you know, Vrabel with a little poke shot right there. I, don't let the press know you read. Don't let them know you read what they write. Don't let them know that you listen to what they say. You can't preach to 53 guys, block out the noise, when you're sitting there taking a little crack at the reporter who clearly wrote what you didn't like. I asked you yesterday during a break, I said, would you ever let the media know that you listened to what they said or read what they wrote? You said, absolutely not. But you read it, didn't you? Read what? What the press wrote when you were GM? No, but well, this is what they do. They everybody gets a all the clips written about your club every day from the league. So if somebody in New Hampshire writes an article about the Titans, you would get it in Nashville that day. So you've got you. It's it's an inch thick daily. Don't read about it. About all the ten. We never did. He does. You don't know that. He brought up Eric you don't because think Eric it's, read it's, it. It's impossible. It was probably impossible. His wife could have called up and, do you see the paper today? You know, this Eric guy, do you know who that is? He took a shot at you. That couldn't have happened. That couldn't have happened. And if it happened no, to you? how would you talk to you? Why would you talk to you? And if wife? that happened to you? Would you ever go in the press conference and say something? I'm sure Sally called you at times and said, Floyd, can you believe what Jared Stillman is saying about you? Don't read. Don't listen. 
The fans listen. The coach don't listen. This is the playground of sports. This is like Fantasy Island. Is sports talk radio? It's it's just it's nothing. Okay, it's just what's the next? Fans. Got some calls. It's just the fans. Somebody, please call. It's just the fans. Stop with that for a second. We gotta. We cannot be going to calls right now. But we got. We again, just stop uh, listening. Stop reading. So again, Vrabel's got to understand. One, he's got to understand. You're not going to get it every time you go for it. You don't need to go for it every time. And two, and this is more important. Stop reading. Stop reading. Stop listening. Six one five. Not fans. Fans, you listen. I'm uh, sure. I'm Vrabel, sure that advice he will take to his grave. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five six one five. If Rabel listened to this show, he would think that he was sixteen and zero every year. Listen now, you talk about him. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Jared and the GM live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. You know who is sixteen and zero every year? Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. They work at my home. They will work great at your home. That's why you'll see their logo right there at the center of the Preds ice tonight because they're proud supporters of the National Predators and proud supporters of the Tennessee Volunteers. Hiller has true transparency pricing, which means no special fees, no flat rate, nothing that doesn't make a lot of sense. When Hiller comes to your home to work on whatever it is you need them to fix, they will take a great look at it. They will map everything out for what you have to pay, and it will all be right there explained for you. That's what true transparency pricing is. Again, no special fees, no hidden rates, none of that. That is why I love Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Again, they take great care of my home. They can take great care of yours. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Proud supporters of the National Predators and of the Tennessee Volunteers. Live from Bridgestone Arena, it's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN. Well, I mean, I think that's always a huge part of what you do. I mean, you try to practice and... You know, we did a lot of good things yesterday, and you, you hope to build on it and then fix the things that we didn't do well and, and keep moving. That's what this league's about. And, you know, again, we talk about what momentum. Momentum's created throughout the week, and hopefully you can you know, carry over a lot of those positive things and then continue to finish uh, and clean up those things later in the week going into the game, make some positive plays on all three phases, and then make adjustments throughout the game. I want Mike Vrabel to be right. I want him to think that Sunday was a confidence builder for the Titans. Can we talk about Vrabel's bathroom habits, please? Can we, you... need, we need a segment on that. Can we do that? <laughs> we got his reading habits out of the way. Let's go. Or about his driving habits. How about that? Can we... I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. Why, why, why? I have no idea. No clue. Where did that come from? Come from, I mean, just said we were analyzing his reading habits. So I'm I'm ready for something else. Well, I just think that he needs to stop reading what the press writes about him. Okay. What about his left-hand turns? I don't know. I've never seen Vrabel drive a car. I don't even know what kind of car he drives. Oh, maybe he can't drive. I'm pretty sure he can drive. <laughs> All right. But I, I don't know what kind of car he drives. I'm going to guess he probably drives a truck, but I, I don't know. I have no clue. But. I want Vrabel to be right. I want Vrabel to think that last Sunday was a confidence builder and that the Titans can build on it and still have a successful season. I, I was not ready last week to call the season off. I'm not ready to call the season off yet. I think you can beat Tampa Bay this week. I think you can beat Carolina the next week. And then a Patrick Mahomesless Kansas City comes in here. I think you can win those games. Then you get the division. I mean, you should have beaten the Colts the first time. Then you get two with the Texans. I mean, I, so I still feel like the season's still going. 
But then I watched Monday Night Football last night. Is there any shot that anybody can take down the Patriots? Titans included. The way they look now last night, there's not. <laughs> now the Jets suck, so let's let's remember that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of suck teams. We've seen the Patriots annihilate teams in the divisional round of the playoffs to get beaten in the AFC title game the next week. And you're like, wow, they just killed that team, and now they go up against this team we thought they were going to kill too, and they lose. Or we've seen them kill Pittsburgh in the AFC title game and lose to Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen a, a Patriot defense this good since the first Super Bowl they won. They have this. This is what's funny is this: the the Patriots have always been good on giving up points. That's been the strong suit of their defense forever. You may get a bunch of yards, you finish the game, and you know you've gained 450 yards, and you've scored 10 points, and that's what they've made a, a living off of. Uh, I think with this particular defense, of course, they, you know, it's hard to tell after last night, but they've got a ton of big play players on this defense. I mean, McCourty is, I don't even know how many interceptions McCourty has, you know, now. I mean, it seemed like he got about three last night. So I think they're getting pass rush. I think they're getting big plays on the defense. You know, um, knocking balls loose, picking up fumbles, running them in for touchdowns, doing things like that that is really making them stand out. That is the difference, in my opinion. And, and I don't, I'm not saying that the, the Titans are in their league because I don't think they are. But that is the If they were, if they were, that would be the difference in the two defenses. They are making a ton of big plays. And big plays are scoring with. You know, they're changing the scoreboard. We're making some big plays, okay. You know, we're that's not an issue. And we're hanging in there tough. We just never seem to to either score or never seem to get to a point that we can give the offense the ball on the fifteen, you mm-hmm. know, with a with a, a great chance to score. And that's that's probably that's one of the big differences in the two. Let's go to your phones. Let's go to Tyrekis on the Titans offense. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Tyreek. Yo, yo, how you guys doing, man? Um, this is I, I I don't know if you guys remember, but you, I'm not I'm sure you guys do, but man, if Brian Tannehill put up two more good games, man, like if the first game he played was great, if he put up two more good games, it'll be the first time in five years we had a consistent quarterback. And I'm just gonna hang up and listen. Thank you for the call, Floyd. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up a series of good games, games like we saw, you know, last week, then I mean that's that would show you some consistency. And, uh, and that is something that we've struggled with across the board, really, but, but certainly at the quarterback position. And, and if your quarterback is struggling, let's face it, I mean, your offense is probably going to struggle. Let's go to Kurt on Delaney Walker. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Kurt. Hey, brothers. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. Thank you for taking Great. my call. Uh, just wanted to see what you guys thought about Delaney. I've been real surprised the lack of usage of him the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to see if there was a story behind the story there or what you thought. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you. Jim? I think I think it's an injury thing. I mean, I think he's beat up more than they're talking about. You suggested that before he was even. He, that, yeah. You know. I mean, I thought, I thought uh, you know, early in the year that he was not – the old Delaney, and then there was a spell, a game or so, where he looked like the old Delaney, and I thought he was back, 
and now it seems to be worse than ever. And, and, and it's really, really difficult. When you get up to 37 years old and you get an, an ankle destroyed the way, you know, his was last year, uh, and now you're trying to come back and you're going through the, the torture of a season and the practicing and the pounding and the, all the stuff you have to do. And, and Delaney's not a little guy. You know, Delaney's a, a big human being. And, you know, pretty soon it starts getting sore. And then once it gets sore, you get worried about it. And, um, and I thought that the game... This weekend, he started off kind of, you know, he had his helmet on. You thought, okay, they're, you know, they're going to throw him in there in some third down. And he'll go. Then all of a sudden, the helmet's off. Now his baseball cap's on. When he put the baseball cap on, I said, well, that's that's probably it. Yeah, he looked like a preseason game. How, Gil, Predators have been up. They've been down. They've been in between. Or should we be worried? Should we be happy with it? What do we think? We'll get to that with Hal Gill coming up next, live from Bridgestone Arena. It's Jared of the GM right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Preds fan Smashville Live returns Wednesday. That's tomorrow. Smashville Live this week will be at Drake's in Cool Springs, located at 553 Cool Springs Boulevard from 7 to 8, featuring Dante Fabro and Rocco Grimaldi. Fans can register to win two tickets to an upcoming Predators home game. Smashville Live is brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. Jared of the GM, Hal Gill next. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Jared the GM live at Brickstone Arena, Preds and Ducks tonight. Hal Gill joins us here, presented by Puckets. Hal, good to see you. It's good to be seen. So I got a couple of takeaways so far from the West Coast road trip. By the way, did you have a good time out there? I sure did. Good. So I have a couple of takeaways from the West Coast road trip. So I thought the, the game in L.A., I thought the team stunk it up. Then they played great. Then Soros let one in. He probably shouldn't have let in, and then you lose the game. But at least the comeback was fun. Then the Vegas game, I thought, was a great, great performance. Then I thought Thursday night against Arizona was terrible. Saturday, I thought they were kind of just going through the motions. And then like the L.A. game, they got out again. So they're very up and down and very inconsistent, it feels like, at least in the last week. Should I care about any of that? Like, will any of that... What matters this time of year that will matter to me come January, February, and then into the playoffs? It's uh, a good question because I, I always look at five games. I don't worry about a thing. You just play until you figure out what's going on with your team. You spend five games figuring it out. And then once you get to ten games, that's when you have to say, all right, well, we have a problem. You know, We have to be consistent. So after eight games – where do I see him? I feel like if you look at each game, it's each game was a different struggle. You know, you go out to L.A. and they stunk. You for for two periods they were bad, and then all of a sudden the team came to life and they started first on pucks, winning battles, and then they made it a game. It was fun, and they should have had a point, right? And then you go to Vegas, and everyone knows everyone's talking about Vegas and how good they are, and they rose up and they played a great game. Then they turn around to Arizona. Arizona is a team that will slow play you to death and they'll beat you down and it's frustrating to play against them. And so, uh, you know, that game was a, was a different beast altogether. And I don't think they were very good, but I think they had a better performance coming home. I'm anxious to see what they do tonight because that'll say a lot about where this team is going. They, you know, they have two more games, in my opinion, where they can prove 
that they are this team or they are that team. And, I, you know, you have to be consistent in the NHL to win. You have to play consistently good defense, which is where I think their problem is. And I think they're they got to rely on their offense to get them over some humps. It's not always going to be easy, but their offense is going to kick in and get them through some games that maybe they shouldn't be in. But defense wins. Yeah. How worried are you from a production standpoint without Philip Forsberg? Because as soon as Matt Duchesne got here, he was lighting it up. Yeah. Well, the, it, it, Duchesne and Forsberg, like the second they get on the ice together, you're like, whoa, this is awesome. And it's going to be fun to watch all year. And with Forsberg hurt, I thought I think Terrace, I mean, that goal he scored, That what a huge play that was. Uh, that's not just like a, hey, you got a nice goal. That was a highlight reel goal to tie up a game and get a point. Uh, so uh, I think there's something to be said for having the depth that Poyle has talked about. You, you have Terrace there, and Terrace didn't have a great year last year, but he's come around. He's playing great now. I, I really like his game, and you when Forsberg is hurt, it's nice to have a guy like Turris you can throw on a line, and all of a sudden he's... What a shot the other night. That was nasty, wasn't it? Where's that been? Oh, that's what he does. This is not the it, same guy. This is not the same guy <laughs> that's been playing here for the last two years. Well, he when he first came here, he was that guy. And then he had a, a tough playoffs. He had some injuries last year. It's it's not always smooth sailing, Jared. You know, sometimes you have to work through some things. <laughs> you know? I've heard you on the radio a couple times. And, <laughs> And I, I got to say, it's not your A game. But you battle through it, and then you, you work through it, and, it, and Def- you give us something to listen to. Definitely was that way that Sunday was good, on the pregame know? show. <laughs> it happens. Definitely Sunday on the pregame show. How hey, with um, you know, I, we were talking earlier, and I said, and, and you said 10 games, and I, I'm fine. I don't know what the number is. But after you kind of get an idea of what your team is, then I would imagine early in the season, the coach has to really kind of concentrate lock down two, three, four, five things. Some things that you got to fix, you know. This is not good. What, what, and you right now, if you were kind of guessing, what would be a couple of things you would be working on? Well, it's hard. Defense. I, I think with with the way the, the NHL is now, you have to be creative and you have to play a fast game. And, you know, you say, we need offense. And that's what they talked about. All offseason was power play and offense. And you get to Shane... And Lambert comes in and is working with the power play. And it's just a mentality that you let other things slip. And I think defense and the new, specifically the defensive zone coverage and then the neutral zone where you're sending everyone, you get so excited that the offense is clicking. I think the team it got away from what makes them click and what makes them good is that solid defensive zone, uh, defensive zone leading into the neutral zone. And uh, got away from the four check because they were trying to be offensive as much as they could. And so I, I think uh, establishing the four check, D zone coverage, and then really playing smart through the neutral zone. Those are three areas. And then penalty kill is, has been pretty, pretty dismal. But I, I, I think knowing those guys, that'll turn around. If you are you satisfied with the depth of the defense? Are you concerned with that a little bit? Uh, it's tough. It's yeah. It's tough because when you, I think Roman Yossi is the best defenseman in the game. I think Ryan Ellis is playing like one of the best defensemen in the game. Uh, Matthias Ekholm has proven a defensive as a, a defensive defenseman. He's probably the best in the game. And now he's adding, adding to the offense as well. Um, Fabro, a young defenseman who's coming in, I think he's been awesome. 
uh, it's not easy coming in and learning the game on a regular basis. Playing an 82-game schedule is a lot different than jumping in in the playoffs. Yeah. And I've been really impressed with him. I do. I love Hamus. I love Weber. They're just you, – you can't go out and get six top number one defensemen. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. And so I, I think when you look at uh, – you say, oh, there's a drop-off in the 5-6 defensemen. It, you can't go every team. Every you have team a salary drop cap. Off. You, yeah. Everyone has. Yeah. Go, there's a lot of uh, you know. There's teams out there that are going to say we have a drop off after one and two. You yeah. know, yeah. they're looking for a three and a four guy. So I I think those guys have been good. I think, uh, and it's also when when you're playing. Uh, you know, if I was on this team, I'd be begging for more structure. You know, they're playing loose and flying and offensive, but I need an out. Uh, you know, as a defenseman. I need a, a forward to come back for me. I need my center to be low so I can, I can get the puck. It's just how, what am I going to do with it when I get it? <laughs> you know, and and Roman Yossi just picks up the puck and goes. Matthias Ekholm does the same thing. Ryan Ellis is doing that. Uh, these guys are good, and so I think that's a lot to ask for Dan Hamus to say, "Hey, do, do our breakout like Yossi does." It's it's not that easy. He'd so, love to. And so, yeah, and so you have a little bit. If you get a little more structure around those guys, which I think is coming, they're they're going to fine tune things, give them a little more structure, give the easy outlet pass for Hammer and, and Weber, and and they can move it up to the ice. Uh, Hal Gilwith is presented by Puckets. You worried about UC Saros at all? Uh, why would I? Uh, no, absolutely not. I think he's great. I I, I think goaltending is the least of our worries in Nashville. So that's so I said that earlier today to Floyd. And I think the new system or the lack of structure, to your point, I think is leaving both goalies out to Absolutely. dry yeah. and is really, I mean, I think is really hard on Soros. Way too many odd man rushes. And, and that's not fair to, to goalies. My question, general. though, is, is that going to change? Like what? I, I feel like it's kind of this is how they're going to play. And we're just going to have to well, live Jared, with the Jared, I just that, said there's things they need to change. They're, it's... They're figuring it out. D-zone structure, neutral zone, they have to be a little more conservative there. Uh, they, they love the offense, but, yeah, they, things have to change. And it's so – look at – you look at um, what they've done in Arizona. I, what's his name? The, the Kemper, Darcy Kemper. I don't think he's Pecorine, but the guy hasn't given up more than two goals in, I don't know, 16 games or something because he's got that structure on him. Now, they're not as offensive as – as the Preds are, but they lock it down defensively. It makes it makes it a lot easier game for a goalie to to go out there and and play with a, a huge defensive zone structure. What are your thoughts on tonight? I think we're going to see a fast game. Every you know, you look up and down the lineup for for Anaheim, and and they're quick. You know, like the and they play with team speed. Uh, Dallas Eakins come in, and and everything I've heard from what they're doing is speed. And so it's going to be a test. I think the Preds have to be aware of that and play a little more conservative defensively. Uh, But if it gets into a, you know, the way the games have gone, if their offense starts clicking and they start firing back and forth, it should be a lot of fun. I I, I want the Preds to lock it down, but the the fan in me uh, wants to see it. I want to see the shootout, you know. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But they're going to be a fast team and and, – you know, it's always a good game between these two teams. Hal Gill with us. Why with this team, why is it so 
Why is it so much fun? Why are they coming back at the end of these games? Is it like a heart thing? Is it a, you know, when it rains, it pours kind of thing? Their comebacks have just been incredible this year. Why? Uh, because they have that firepower. I think the firepower that you push too hard and, and sometimes it doesn't click and, and you give up a one or two goals and, and then all of a sudden it's like, ugh, what, how do we get out of this? And then they go in for second intermission and come out and say, all right, boys, let's let her rip. And, they, and they're good when they let her rip. It, I mean, they have high-powered offense. They, they can go. I mean, you look at, you know, it's interesting because for me, you, I think Cal Yarncroke has played really well with Johansson and Arvidsson. But Arvey can push the pace, and so he pushes D back. And then you have Duchesne, who does the same thing. Uh, you throw out a, a checking line that is, you know, Benino, Sissons, Watson. Those guys can go out and, and muck it up and, and make things happen. I, I just feel like they have so much firepower up front. And then you add Yossi in the mix and Ekholm and Ellis, and these guys are up. I, coming back is not a problem for this team. I think they have the firepower. Hal Gill, as always, presented by Puckets. Harold, good to see you. It's good to Hope see you. Hope you had a good trip. Thanks for having me at Pete and Terry's. This is nice out here. I know, it's right? It's a fall it's day. Uh, it's like hockey weather. It yeah, just go day. grab yourself to the bar. You know what I do feel bad for is like the, the girls trying to hold on to summer, and they're all out there in their rompers, and they're, and they're freezing. <laughs> they're freezing. It's gotten cold now. Who's trying to hold on to summer? Huh? I'm not. I'm telling the girls. They're walking down the street, ready to woo-woo and all that. Oh, the woo girls? The, the bachelorette yeah, parties? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't associate with them. Of course you don't. No. <laughs> or they the... don't associate with you. It's no, okay, no, 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 no. See, the bachelorette parties, the thing about them is what happens is, is say, like, in a bachelorette party, there's somebody worth talking to, and you're going to go over there to talk to them. Then somebody, you know, then one of that's, the friends is going to. That's a good one, Jerry. You know. <laughs> Whatever makes you sleep at night, buddy. <laughs> I'm just telling you how it is, Harold. Can't help you out here. Whatever helps you sleep. Predators game day is <laughs> next. Me, it's Jerry Thanks, GM Al. right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Live from the wholesaling studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's game day in Smashville. Brought to you by TJ Anderson Holmes and Chino's East. What are Peter Laviolette's keys to the game? Who will be in and out of the lineup? It's time to break it all down on Jared and the GM on your flagship home of Smashville. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Predators game day presented by TJ Anderson Holmes and Geno Z. Grab a historic slice of Chicago deep dish, tra- deep dish tradition. Before or after the game, Geno's East on the corner of 3rd and Korean Veterans Boulevard. Info at geno'seast.com backslash Nashville. The Predators and the Anaheim Ducks tonight right here at Bridgestone Arena at 7 o'clock. You heard how Gil Floyd talking about it. Says it is going to be a fast game today against the Ducks. Sounds like it's going to be exciting. Is that not weird? Because a couple yeah. years ago they were so heavy against the Ducks. Oh, yeah. The two teams just, wanted to fight all the time. And, just the opposite. And so... I'm worried. That worries me when I hear Hal Gill say it's going to be a fast game. It worries me because the Predators have not started off so well lately. And that, that is a concern of mine that you get down these these four-to-one deficits start to pile up and eventually you can't get yourself out from under them, i.e. Arizona last week or even Florida the other night. They get down 2 nothing. If they don't get down 2 nothing, they win the game in regulation instead of losing in a shootout. Yeah, but it's you're right. I mean, if you fall that far behind the eight ball, 
it's tough to catch up, even if you're scoring a ton of goals. Meanwhile, taking a look at the line, the Predators are favored. They are a 155 favorite. So Vegas is telling you, hey, should be on the side of the Predators. The Ducks come into this game at 6-3-0. Oh, the Predators come in at 4-3-1. and one. It's time now to take a look at the coach's take, what Peter Laviolette has to say about today's game, presented by T.J. Anderson Holmes. Go online, tjandersonhomes.com. Your road to real estate begins with my friend, T.J. Anderson. Peter talking about those starts, saying, hey, got to start a little bit earlier in these kind of games. Yeah, usually when you're behind by three goals, you got to have a really good third period if you're going to bail out of it. So um, we'd like to score a little bit more early on. And, you know, some of the immediate starts recently, some of the immediate starts have been good. The first four to seven minutes, they've been good. And then, you know, something happens in the last 12 to 15 minutes where uh, we give up a couple goals and we found ourselves behind on the road and at home here. And that's not where we want to be. It's difficult to play like that. Um, I guess giving some credit back, we've, we have battled in those three periods and we have scored some goals and either pushed it to overtime or come back and won. And L.A., we ended up losing in the last minute of the game. And so that was that was difficult. But um, we played well in the third period. But I'd like to see us I'd like to see us push a little bit more in the first period. Floyd, are you glass half full and say, hey, the Predators keep finding a way to come back in these games. They keep finding a way to make something happen. Or are you glass half empty and say to yourself, can't keep getting down? Even to Vegas, which has been their most impressive win of the year, in my opinion, that in Washington. In both games, they dug holes. And they got themselves out of the holes. But, I mean, are you glass half full or are you glass half empty? Well, I think a game like this is going to be a great test for them. You know, because if, in fact, and, and Hal knows what he's talking about, so if he says that I believe it, they're that fast and they're working on that much speed. Well, that's the way that we're headed or think we're headed or want to be headed or whatever the case may be. So it'll be kind of a good test for us, too, to see exactly where we are in that department if they are, you know, among the best. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this it sounds like. And I think how it around it sounds like it's going to be exciting, and a lot of fun in a in worst case scenario. So. Uh, I don't know if I like the worst case scenario. I mean, the worst case scenario is you get down five nothing, and then you know. Well, uh, yeah, you just don't win. But if you're got, I mean, if you're losing six to five or seven to six or something, that's another thing. That should be something that's at least exciting, <laughs> somewhat, somehow. Now they did not have a morning skate this morning, but Philip Forsberg they had an optional skate. Philip Forsberg did not participate in that optional skate, so we don't know if Forsberg will be, be available. I'm going to guess he's probably not. They went with the lines where they moved Kyle Turris to center the second line and moved Duchesne to the wing. Now, my issue with that is that I would just say, just put Duchesne on the first line. Just go Johansson, Arvidsson, Duchesne. If Forsberg's out, just go back to, hey, we're going to just go with one line. You know, the thing that we really don't like is when they only have one line. I say just go with one line. Now, what they've done is they've put Kyle Turris in the place of Philip Forsberg and swung Duchesne over to the wing. So, I don't think, Peter, I think he'll keep Callie Yarncroke on that first line. But I personally would say just bring Matt Duchesne up. But they're, they're trying to have the two-line theory. I mean, they're trying to go with the two lines. I know, but, like, without well. Forsberg, <laughs> like, to me, Forsberg's the most skilled player on the team. 
So when he's not there, it changes everything. It would be like, well, the Titans are trying to run the ball. Well, Derrick Henry's hurt. Well, now I guess you have to throw it. It's kind of like that in that instance. Yeah, you. I, I mean, you're hoping throughout the – I mean, you can't be changing your offense throughout the year with depending on – Who's dinged up and who's yeah, not? Somebody missing. Somebody gets hurt and misses, you know, five games. Then the next guy gets hurt and misses six. And then you're constantly moving. I don't think that would be good for you. So last week the Predators sent Daniel Carr, David Poyle's favorite player. They sent Daniel Carr to Milwaukee. Yeah. They brought up Yakov Trinan and um, Mika Salamaki, unfortunately. They sent Trinan down after Saturday, so it looks like Salamaki back in the lineup. I was kind of hoping he would get claimed on waivers when they put him on waivers so that we would not have to see Salamaki back in the lineup. But he was not. So what does that tell you? And it looks like (laughs) Salamaki will be back in the lineup. Taking a look at the division standings. How about the Colorado Avalanche? Through nine games, the Avalanche are 7-1-1. That's good for 15 points. Watch out for that group when they get rocking and rolling. We said a couple years ago in the playoffs, we said, hey, in a couple years, this Colorado team is going to be pretty good. This Colorado team, at least early in the season, they're pretty good. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Blues, these defending Stanley Cup champions, 4-2-3. and three. They've got 11, four points behind Colorado. The Jets have played a, a game more than both the Blues and the Avalanche and two more than the Predators. They have 10 points on the year. Have not gone to overtime. A solid 5-5 five and five for the Winnipeg Jets. The Predators 4-3-1, and one, good for 9 points. Dallas climbing their way kind of back into it. They played more games than anybody else. They're 3-7-1, and one, good for 7 points. That is not a wow. pretty record right there. Meanwhile, Chicago through, has only played 6 games, 2-3-1 and one for 5. And the Wild, who we all knew were going to suck, 2-6 and six for 4 points. So a little surprising how bad Dallas is right now. Chicago hasn't played enough games for us to feel one way or another about them. And then you've got the red-hot Colorado Avalanche who are just lighting it up. Floyd Reese tonight, right here, 7 o'clock, ESPN 1025, the game. The Preds and the Ducks with the voice of the National Predators, Pete Weber on the call. What are you looking forward to tonight? I think I'm going to look forward to the depth in the defense with the speed of their offense. And see, we know that we've got three or four of the best, you know, ever. And then uh, let's see how the rest of them do, because when it's all said and done, we're going to need them all. We know that. And and this sounds like uh, the way Hal described them, this would be a pretty good test for them. So let's see how they work. I think with me, on as far as that third pair is concerned, it's time for them to play like a third pair. I'm not asking them for them to be good. I'm saying play like a third pair. Don't be terrible. For me, I think Pekka's going to have to play a great game tonight for them to win. I think that this is going to be an up-and-down, fire the pucks at the net, and the Predators have been leaving the goaltenders out to dry lately. I think Pekka's got to find a way to keep it under three. If he does, I think they'll win. We're out of here. Pre-game coming up next. It's Jared and the GM live from Bridgestone Arena. Pre-game is next.